I invite you to close your eyes, take a deep breath, be here now, infinite presence is all there is, infinite presence is source, the source that fuels the universe, that fills the sacred space, that connects each of us, to each of us. In this source, the gifts of love, of life, of compassion, of forgiveness, of memories, of inspiration, all these gifts abound. And knowing that this infinite presence is all there is. It is expressing in me, in each of us, in everything alive, everything material, every star, every atom. And just as the atoms are invisible, the love of divine mind may be invisible and fills this presence of all that is. And so, knowing this, there is oneness. There is only one. And in this oneness, I see today's service bringing words of inspiration, music that refreshes, Connections that enliven. For I know that this infinite presence is who I am, that it is expressing in each of us. And so I accept this life, this love, this forgiveness, this compassion, this wisdom, knowing it is the truth. It is the truth. It is the center of all. And in this space, I am so grateful, just grateful for all that is expressing, all that is right here, all that I am, all that each of us brings today. And in the spirit of gratitude, I release this into the law that is, always at work, knowing this is who we are, knowing this is who I am, and that each of us brings this forward, I accept. And together we say, and so it is. This whole year we're taking a look at spirituality in action, which in a way is how can we let everybody in, and how can we how can we be in and let everybody else in? The first month of the year, we took a look at our, our principles, our core principles. What is it that we believe? Because we, know, we need to know what it is that we believe, what it is that we're operating from as a base if we're going to bring spirituality into action. And then last month, we took a look at oneness, that we are all one, that everybody is already in. And so this month, we're taking a look at the idea of integrity, Integrity, which is acting from what we believe. 
and acting and remembering that we are all one. Have you noticed once in a while it's challenging? I've noticed that. So today we're looking at the quality of our highest values. Our highest values. What do I value? What do I put my attention on? That's what a value is. It's something that I value, right? So what is it that I value? Not what do I want to value, what do I think I should value, but what is it that I actually do in my day-to-day walking and talking and actions value? Take a breath. So it's important to recognize that there are only two core values from which everything else spreads. Only two. One. One is love. The other is fear. Everything that we value comes from either love or fear. I want to preface that or or, or side note that by saying fear isn't necessarily bad. Fear is what happens when we play the game of life by forgetting that we're all one. Spirit becomes us to forget itself so it can wake up and re-experience itself as love, as oneness, right? And so it's like playing a game of hide-and-seek. Is the hiding bad? No. Is the seeking bad? It's just the game, right? And so we, we suited up and we said, we're going to play this game. And we're going to play a game that's love and fear and try and see if we can wake up from the fear and remember the love. And so we're all doing that. It's okay. It's just that love tends to, in the long run, be more pleasant than fear, right? Okay. Sometimes fear feels better in the moment or the fear-based values. But love is what feels better and works better in the long run. So let's take a look at these two. First of all, fear. Fear originates from a belief or a perception that I am separate. That I'm separate. And it's pretty easy to do, right? I can look out and I can see there's you and there's you and there's you and there's you. And it looks like we're all separate, right? Looks like that. Yes? It appears that way. And then there's the fishes in the sea and the birds in the air and, and the rocks and the mountains and the, and, and the rivers and like, all like that. And they all seem separate. We all have this, by the way. We all have values based in fear. Take a breath. Yes? Yes. We all have times that we come from fear. All I have to do as a minister is start talking about money, sex, or politics right now. And some of you will be instantly into a fear-based experience, right? It may be anger, it may be judgment, it may be you know, all that stuff. We have a perception of, of separation from which comes a belief in other, that there is an other, otherness. And my good, my capital G good, that which I want, that which I desire, that which I love, is outside of me, therefore it is other. Right? That's what it feels like. That's a fear-based belief. The other half of that is then that there is an other that can keep me from my good. Somebody else might get my chocolate. 
And that's bad. Ask anybody who knows me well, that's a bad, bad thing. <laughs> as long as I believe my good is outside of me and an other controls access to that good, I will do all sorts of actions based on that belief. Yes? I may take actions that I think will please or work with or modify, mollify this external source so that I can get my good. And so I will create prayers of beseeching and begging. And prayers don't necessarily have to mean church prayers. It may mean I go to my boss and, you, you, you don't know how hard my life is, I need a raise. That's beseeching and begging. That's a prayer of beseeching and begging. We may do sacrifices to please this outside source of my good. If I just sacrifice myself enough, if I do these kinds of sacrifices over here enough, I will get more good. Anybody late besides me? No? We will do rituals and processes that we think will generate that good. And we will create rules of what we believe will please this external source and then try to follow them. Anybody relate? I think what will make my wife happy is if I do this. I think what will make my boss happy is if I, those are rules that we create. I think what will make this God happy is if I, rules that we create. I grew up Catholic. You know, one of those rules was we don't eat meat on Fridays. And if you do, you're going to. Mm -hmm. Until, of course, a few years ago when they said, it's okay accepting during Lent. Now, what about all those people that went to hell already and they're there for eternity because, and then we, ch- yeah, we changed the rules, right? So we create rules. We all have sets of rules, don't we? We all have sets of rules. When my source is other, when my source is outside of me, then my flow of good can also be disrupted by others. Yes? Coming home from, from my, my week off this week, I drove through Portland uh, at about 5.30 on Friday night. There were a lot of others disrupting my flow. Right? If others can disrupt my flow, then I have to get those others to follow the rules that I believe will get me my good. Get off my road, yeah. Or at least learn how to merge, or at least learn how to you know, drive. I have to get others to follow my rules. It's the only way that I can control the flow of good by this perception. And I want to control the flow of my good, because if I don't, I don't trust that it's going to happen, right? Okay. Now, if the others don't follow my rules... They become enemies, right? And I must fight them, yes? Have you noticed that in our culture? Have you noticed that in our world? Thus, I can justify, because they're my enemies and they're outside, I can justify fear, I can justify hate, I can justify judging, I can justify hurting, I can justify controlling, because they are the other. I can justify all sorts of things that I say that my tribe and I believe, don't believe in, 
But what I really mean is my tribe and I don't believe in that for the people who are following my rules. Right? I can say that we believe in love, but I only believe in it if you follow my rules. None of this, by the way, makes any logical sense or has to make any logical sense, right? And by the way, we can also have an other that's a part of ourselves. If I could just get my inner child under control, if I could just deal with my wounded self, if I could just be, take care of my fear-based self, it's an other. We are a whole. We are a whole. Everybody in. Everybody's in the circle. These rules don't have to make logical sense. I, I had a, have a friend who is gay, and when he was younger, grew up in Wisconsin in a Christian church, conservative Christian church, said that his pastor would drive him over to a church in, in Indiana once a week where they were doing nightly classes to cure homosexuality. Right? And he said, I didn't get anything out of it excepting to find out that my pastor was also gay. My Christian pastor, fundamentalist Christian pastor, was also gay. And that person must have been at war with themselves. Not my friend, but the, other, the pastor. And so we're at war with ourselves, oftentimes. The other isn't just necessarily something that's outside of our body. It's something that's outside of our perception of what we, quote, should be doing or should be. And all of this doesn't make sense because it's based on a core belief in separation and otherness, which creates a core fear, feeling of fear. The core fear of separation, the core fear that I won't get what I want. So I'm not basing it on anything that I'm rationally or logically or making sense out of thinking. I'm basing it on this, on this incorrect core belief that generates a feeling of fear. A misperception that generates fear. And it's very core. Have you noticed? When you and I operate out of our fear base, it's not our frontal lobes that are usually engaged, right? It's the limbic mind or the, the reptile brain or whatever they, you, know, what you want to call it. It's that very core part of me that really does believe in separation. It believes in lack it believes in limitation. It believes in the possibility of loss. And it believes that there are plenty of spots where God is not. We like to say there's no spot where God is not in this teaching. But the truth is that there are times when we all believe there are some spots where God is not. Take a breath. Let all that go. Breathe. The other core value, let's take, talk about that for a moment, is love. And this is a what I call a capital L love. This is not just romantic love or, you know, I love chocolate. Okay? But that's not a core value. It's this deeper love. Now, we can believe we have love while we're still living in fear, right? We, still, we can believe we are loving while we're in fear and, and separation consciousness because we love the good we have. As long as what? It follows my rules. As long as it shows up the way I want it to. You know, this, this is the, the golem from um, Lord of the Rings with my precious. 
It has to comply with our idea of how it should be. You know, last week I got to deal with my idea of how it should be. I have an idea of how retreats should go. I have an idea of how vacations should go. Years ago, I was on a retreat down in, in uh, Los Barritos, or Los Barrios, which is uh, about 40 miles north of Cabo San Lucas on the eastern uh, Baja Peninsula. And I went down there with, with a, a church uh, a little ways north of here that shall remain unnamed. But most of you know where I went. And the retreat was being led by a minister who most of you know, many of you know. And I had an idea about retreats. No alcohol. They're deep. They're serious. A little fun is okay, but mostly deep and serious. And my wife and I arrived there a couple days early. And there's the minister sitting at the bar having a margarita. And you know what? Pretty soon I was sitting at the bar having a margarita. And my wife was sitting at the bar having a margarita. And I don't think that with the exception of the 12-steppers, anybody in that retreat did not have a moment when alcohol wasn't flowing through our veins during the entire retreat. And I had to sit there and go, I'm going to have to adapt what my idea of a retreat is because this is different than what I expected. This week, I went to my wonderful cottage that I was staying at down in Ashland, Oregon. And it had a beautiful big jetted tub in it. I was so looking forward to sitting in that jetted tub each night with a nice hot bath and the jets going and the dang gas company knocked out the gas on Monday night for two-thirds of the city of Ashland, including the place where I was staying. No hot water. All my favorite restaurants were closed because they couldn't cook anything because of no gas. This is natural gas we're talking about. And then they came around and said, it's going to be three or four days before we get the gas back on. Now, I have a rule that I have a nice hot shower every morning. It's my cup of coffee. Right? I don't drink coffee, but my, my wake-up is my nice, warm shower every morning. Guess what? I didn't get a warm shower. I didn't have things going as I expected, as my rules said they should go. This is not how it should be. Anybody ever have that experience? <laughs> and then, to top it all off, I brought along three pairs of pants, I was wearing my sand-colored pants, my favorite colored you know, ones, to, or my favorite pants to just knock about in. On the very first night, we went out to a Chinese restaurant. I picked up the bottle of chili oil, and it slipped out from the, the top and dumped red Chinese chili oil, the chili garlic oil, all over my pants. Big red splotch right there. And oily. I told Linda, our host, I said, I'm going home. I can wear what I want. I can have hot water. Oh, and there's, there's people there that I sometimes didn't agree with. Oh, my God. How could those people be ministers? Ah! And think that or talk that or say that. They probably felt the same about me, too, by the way. And I wanted to run home where my safe, familiar good was, where my hot water was, where my ability to go to the restaurants I like was. Unfortunately, or maybe fortunately for me, Linda, who's the host, and I have been friends for 20 years, and she knows the way to my heart. And she said, tomorrow morning I'm baking maple pecan scones. Okay, I'll stay. It eventually turned out fine. 
In fact, I'm very glad I went and stayed. And the hot water came on on Thursday, and I did get a moment in my jetted tub. My favorite restaurant didn't open up, but I found a couple of other wonderful breakfast places to go to. And I did not, um, let's just say I was never lacking for food. I was amazed when I stepped on the scale when I came home and weighed the same thing that I weighed when I had left a week before. So fear or separation-based love is conditional. It's only if it follows my agenda will I love. There is another love. There's another love. And it's based on an awareness of the oneness of all life. The oneness of all life. And an awareness and trust of a universal intelligence that is within me. Not separate, within me. It's not a big man with a cosmic plan on a high land. It's within me. Thank you, I'm glad somebody got that. It's an innate intelligence that is opening and exploring and expanding. And I am one with that. I am always, whether I'm aware of it or not, one with that. I was going through a little moment during my retreat. I had, I, my retreat kind of went down and then it went deeper as I started looking at my own stuff. Uh, and then we went out and played for a while and that was fun. I shopped, I bought things that I, you know, would have said I didn't need to, but I'm really happy I did. And then I went deep again. So that's kind of how the retreat went. It was, it was waves. It was fine. When I recognize that I'm one with the one, then I can experience a different kind of love. I've, I've invited our, our pledgers to do a 40-day uh, abundance plan uh, program uh, with, with a reading. And, and I know some of you are doing that. The reading today starts off, it says, when I am aware of the God self within me as my total fulfillment... I am totally fulfilled. When I'm aware of the God self within me, it's not when I'm aware of the car, the person, the food, the whatever condition that I want. It's when I'm aware of the God self within me as my total fulfillment. It already is. While I was, while I was there at, in Eugene, I had this dream one night. And it was a dream of being a little boy in a grocery store crying for his mommy, couldn't find his mommy, and mommy was standing behind him the whole time. You ever been like that? And I could finally turn around and see that. This infinite presence is always with us. It's the mommy-daddy, it's the whatever you, know, you want to call it, that is always with us. We're always in it. We're in that circle constantly. Constantly. But we forget And all we have to do is not some big gyration. It's just simply remember. Remember. See, this love is open. This love is curious. This love is flexible. This love is detached. This love is not bound by rules or previous ideas or what I thought went before. This love is always on, always present. This love doesn't defend its ground because it doesn't need to defend its ground because there's no ground for it to defend. Rumi has a lovely poem that says, there's a door between our hearts, there's a door that opens. But what is there to open when no walls remain? Between our hearts, there's a door that can be opened. But what is there to open when no walls remain? What if we realized there was no walls between us and our good right now? between us and this love, between us and this infinite presence. 
When we are living that way, we feel relaxed, we feel easy because there's no restrictions to the flow. It doesn't fear loss because it recognizes that love is all there is, even as the forms of that love shift and change. Even as they shift and change. And it doesn't do what I like to call or what's called spiritual bypass. Spiritual bypass is pretending that everything is happy, happy, joy, joy, even when we're not experiencing that. You've seen other people do that, right? I know nobody here does. That love feels deeply because it recognizes that it's safe to do so. It can hold grief and joy simultaneously. If a friend dies, it can hold the grief of missing that human person while at the same time recognizing that the spiritual being that that person is is still ongoing and perfect, whole, and complete right now. Never died. It can do both. Most of all, this love doesn't have to have things my way. My way. Rather, it opens to the way of the divine intelligence that is within and all around us. It gets curious. When it doesn't understand, it asks for clarity. It says, show me what I need to know. That's what I did this week. When I got stuck in the, I want to run, which is an old pattern. I said, no, I'm not going to do that. So show me the way through this. Show me the way through this. Wednesday morning, Linda offered her own home, which was not affected by the gas leak, for showers for all of us. Howard Thurman wrote a book called For the Inward Journey. He wrote a lot of books, but the book we're we're working with this month is called For the Inward Journey. He says, love bypasses all your hate and all your indifference and gets through to you at your center. You are powerless to do anything about it. Take a breath. Love, this capital L love, this big love, gets through all your stuff and you're powerless to do anything about it. You can't stop it. It's bigger than you. So we constantly, when we're going through our day, and I invite you to pay attention to that this week, we get to ask, which value am I living from now? Am I living from fear, separation, rules? This is how it should be. Or am I living from love and oneness? As the natives would say, which wolf do I feed? So I invite you this week, to take on two spiritual practices. Number one, be willing to expand your living from that love, that big love, a little bit more. Would that be okay if you lived a little more from that love, that love base? That when your buttons get pushed, and they will. One of my teachers said, whenever we go for love, anything unlike itself will come up for the purpose of healing and release. So if I say I'm willing to love more, guess what? All the stuff that's been sitting within me, all that strength, it's within me, Right? It's not out there. It'll look like it's coming from out there, but it's actually in me. will come up so I can get to take a look at it. Isn't that fun? It's important to remember, however, that it's up for the purpose of healing and release. Not punishment, not saying, oh, you shouldn't go that way or anything like that. So when your buttons get pushed, ask to be shown a path through the darkness Ask to be shown a path through the herd. Ask to be shown a path through. Remember to breathe. Remember to breathe, particularly when your buttons are pushed. There are so many things that if I would have just taken a breath or two before I said what I said or did what I did, I might have been in less regret for having done that. Take a breath.
and remember that there's only one. So that's the first spiritual practice, be willing to expand. The second one then is practice trusting that infinite oneness. Practice recognizing that there is indeed a ground of being from which you can, which you can trust and from which your good flows and you are one of it. It's within you. Your good is not outside you. Breathe that in for a moment. I am my own good. My own good lives within me. And so contemplate, meditate on a willingness to trust that one. So that's our two practices this week. Be willing to expand our living from love a bit and contemplate that trusting that oneness. Are you willing to play with that? Great, me too. Remember that living in love doesn't mean being a doormat or suffering. Oh, I'm going to be loving. I'd really like to punch this person in the mouth, but instead I'm going to choose love. No. It means rising in love. This love is a rising consciousness. This love lifts us up. Okay? It means opening to a flow of good that may have been beyond your previous ability to see it. That's what this love is about. I'm going to close with a quote from, also from Howard Thurman from the, For the Inward Journey. And he says, There is a profound ground of unity that is more pertinent and authentic than all the unilateral dimensions of our lives. This a person discovers when he or she is able to keep open the door of their heart. Sometimes we have to keep that door open. Sometimes it's not, it's, it's challenging to keep the door open in the face of things that are coming at us, right? So we keep the door open. This is one's authentic responsibility and is not dependent upon whether the heart of another is kept open for them. The other is not my source. It doesn't mean that the other is going to be loving toward me. It's still my responsibility to have my heart open and to let that love that is spirit's love as me flow regardless of what it looks like out there. We talk about circumstances, which is the circum around, stands, stand, that stuff that stands around us. And most of us say our circumstances control us and direct us. The truth is we direct and control our circumstances and then forget that we created those circumstances, that stuff that's standing around us. We can always create anew. We can always create anew. But it takes opening the heart and and letting something new in to have a new set of circumstances around us. And so that's my invitation this week, is to open your heart and create something new that is even more wonderful than all you've created before. Let's pray. There is that presence. There is that oneness. There is that one, 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 only one, that is love, pure, unadulterated, unmitigated, unconditioned love, life. Joy, power, peace, that. And it is expressing opulently, abundantly, lavishly. That is its nature. Breathe that in with me. That is its nature. And because that one is all that is, I am, we are. One of that, always, always, every second, every millisecond, 
We are one of that life, one of that love, one of that power, that peace, that beauty, that joy. We are one of that right now and always. Whether we remember it or not, whether we recognize it or not, whether we even know it or not, we are one of that. And so I speak my word that today we remove whatever cloudiness has been in the way of being able to see that and clear it away. Like small children in the grocery store that think they've lost their parents who are standing right there behind them, we turn around and see that good. Like the prodigal son who forgot who he was until he finally came to himself and then the father rushed out to meet him. We remember who we are. We are God in form. We are the expression of this love, this life in form. Our fulfillment is within us. And then it radiates out into all the circumstances of our lives. I speak my word that we keep our hearts open this week, more so than before. We keep our hearts open when we're tempted to close them. We say, I'm willing to go a little further. And so I'm grateful for the love that comes both into our lives and expresses out from our lives as we are willing to do this, as we say yes to this. Because as we say yes to this, we say yes to the good and the flow of spirit in every single abundant, opulent way that it flows. And so I release this word, this word spoken, into that which we call the law, that which knows how to make it happen, that which knows how to bring it in form. We turn it over to that. We simply are willing to be places of love. And the universe says, yes. And so it is. In the teen room today, we read an article um, and about integrity, and we learned how, like, if we lived in a world where we didn't assume people lived by morals and had a moral code, then we'd live lives where we're looking over our shoulders and we'd be scared to venture out of our own homes. And so we got a piece of paper and we wrote down our top five or top eight values And throughout next week, we're going to write down a scenario for every day and how we use our integrity to overcome it.